My name is Chris Tecca. I'm the Chief Executive Officer at Anatox, and I'm very, very happy to be joined today by all of you. We're also joined by Dr. Dan Moore at the Colorado Quality Research. He's done some work also with some formaldehyde-based products, looking at also the chronic arthritis, right? And so he's going to be talking about that paper to help you understand how that impacts the proliferation of that disease and how it helps us stem that. And finally, I'm joined by Dr. Enrique Montiel. He's with Anatox. He's our Director of Live Nutrition, and he's going to help kind of tie all those things together for us. We are one of the very few organizations that is uniquely focused on helping to drive productivity, safety, health within feed production. Okay? But it's really difficult to oftentimes justify the expense. It's really tough to, to have that data-driven turn on investment to say, here's what we're going to go do. We're really focused on helping to provide products that are helping you to produce feed safely and more efficiently. What we're going to learn today is a little bit more about a lot of the data behind how that works and how that is going to improve productivity. Dan challenged the brothers really heavily with Clostidium to in a necrotic enteritis model and found out that yes, decreasing bacterial load it is is not that the sanitizing is killing the Clostridia, it's that decreasing those bacterial loads in the field led to a better control of necrotic enteritis. Challenge was was pretty aggressive. We was, we achieved over forty percent mortality from the chronic enteritis with the clostridium challenge. And the way that uh, we conducted this particular challenge, day seventeen is when we applied the challenge. We applied to the feed and we offered to the birds. And we had a couple different treatments going through this process. We had one where we had to terminate prior to the challenge. So essentially, we changed feed from starter to grower uh, day seventeen. And so what we'll do is we'll remove the starter feed about six or seven in the morning and then when we offer the grower feed uh, about 12 or noon a noon or one uh, we'll put the challenge on that so they're challenged with the grower feed so the starter feed there was one treatment that had the terminate in the starter feed and it was removed and it was not in the grower feed and then we had a couple of treatments we had we had a treatment where it was fed in the starter and the grower feed and then a treatment was just in the grower feed alone so two of those treatments had the terminate in it whenever we actually challenged them and then one of them did not have the terminate in it to see the responses we saw uh, when we utilized the product it was surprising to me so with the two groups that had the the terminate in the grower feed mortality was 25 percent of what the control was you know so we were going from 40 42 percent down to that 12 to 13 percent mortality with the terminate uh, the group that was fed the terminate and the starter alone so it was no it wasn't around whenever we did the challenge uh, it did decrease mortality by about half when we did that the performance differences there, both the groups that had it in the grower feed showed some improvements in performance being every body weight gain and adjusted feed conversion. And then the group that was fed and started, there was, there was some slight improvement. It wasn't quite as great, obviously, as the other group. And the Legion scores followed suit that we did. So uh, the group that was fed only the starter, the Legion scores were higher. And then the two groups, when it was in the grower feed, the two groups in the grower feed were obviously much less than the, than the challenge control that did not have any treatment to it. So you'll see that consistency of response with all three treatments. Uh, it was impressive to us. You know, we don't see that all the time with all the products we, cha we challenge with or we 
workmen. So to see that response, all the mortality, the product and the legion scores and performance was impressive to see. Sometimes with during the challenge, we'll see maybe a legion score response or maybe not quite a performance response. We want to see, uh, usually we're seeing mortality response, we'll see a performance response, but we saw it in all facets when we were doing this study. Both the treated groups improved performance, but the group that had had treated feed prior to the challenge, yes. those birds continued to show performance improvement despite no further feed treatment. It, it was not as clear with that group. So the performance wasn't right there. What we did see with it was some decrease in mortality right. and some lesion score improvement. The performance side wasn't as clear. Do you, can you hypothesize as to why that would be the case? I mean, I, for me, there might be some residual there. Uh, you know, you're also changing potentially. We didn't do any microfloral analysis, so I don't know. Uh, but the, the microflora, there's probably some change there that's going on with the terminate early on. You know, so as we talked about with early nutrition, uh, you know, a lot of times when we're working with probiotics or something like that, you want to reduce that early. Uh, it's, to me, there's likely having an impact on the microflora that's, that's happening in the gut early on, and it's still setting it up for that process when you're going to the challenge. Okay, so the, the, the juvenile gut's inherently more able to... Potentially. I mean, we have to, like I said, go through really looking at microflora. We didn't do that in this study, but that is, is, that's, that's what we hypothesis. And there may be some, and you guys would have to tell me a little bit with the mode of action, there may be some residual uh, in the gut uh, that would help during the actual challenge. So they were, they were five, five hours off of that feed before they were challenged. So. And how long did you, because uh, you, you dosed them with the clostridium in the feed, and how long was the clostridium in the feed before you? It's very quick. So we'll put the clostridium on the feed and directly offer to the birds. You know, so it's, it's immediate, and they usually clean up that feed within about an hour, and then we'll put them back on their normal. So, yeah, that's I mean, a good question, you know, with the contact of the clostridium on the feed itself with the terminate in it, uh, it's a very quick process. Culture's on it, we offer it to the birds, they consume it. I mean, it's immediate, we mix it and put it right in there. We collaborated in a publication and then we, we put the two pieces together. We evaluated the feed, uh, the untreated and the treated feed. And this is how we know there was a significant decrease in bacterial loads in terms of total aerobic count and enterobacteria in some of the cases. The clostridia was not an issue in the feed, but we saw that there was a significant decrease between treated and untreated. The, the fungal loads uh, also we evaluated before and after, and there was a, there was an important decrease treating and the untreated compared to the treated. You would think. I treated the feed and then I killed the clostridium and there, these are my results. The impact of sanitizing was in, in decreasing bacterial loads, not necessarily eliminating or, or killing clostridium. Have you seen what you've seen with feed sanitization and the results that you've got thus far? If you look then back into commercial operations and their current practices today, does it lead you to think about any research that would look at what you might, what they might do differently, and specifically what they might stop doing if they were to look at embracing feed sanitization? Anything that they might be able to withdraw, stop doing? And I think it's more of an opportunity versus what are we going to replace or what's going to be different. 
you know, every complex is different. The royal industry, every complex within a, within a company is different. They're handled differently. They have different challenges. You know, so I think it's part of a program that can help with a wide array of other opportunities. One thing that's really probably not discussable, I was discussed on the breeder side, is the vaccine potential that we talked about. You know, and so you know, I know different complexes will do different things from a vaccine standpoint. If they're having a different viral load or bacterial load, the different vaccines they will try. You know, as they mentioned here, with some of the vaccine potential on the on the breeder side, I think you potentially have that capability on the broiler side as well. You know, so there's different things, you know, especially when you're looking at bacterial vaccines, you know, they're typically or sometimes not as effective as viral vaccines. It was just something that can help uh, in that in that regard. If we're reducing the, the bacterial load in the feed and some of the bacterial load going into the bird, is that going to enhance some type of bacterial vaccine that would occur? You know, because we're working, the industry's working on clostridial vaccines or salmonella vaccines, but there's also the viral vaccines as well. And when you introduce a new vaccine to the bird, I'm not a veterinarian, I'm a nutritionist, so I don't want to act like I grew up with veterinarians, so my parents are veterinarians. But so, uh, you know, is there's something that's going on with the viral vaccine when you introduce that sometimes you have to adjust the vaccine sometimes you'll have some type of vaccine response uh, so is it something that can help uh, in the immune system something we don't talk we have talked a lot about here you know there's a lot of lymph tissue associated with the intestine obviously and so if you're doing something that's helping that system that can then help with the uptake of vaccine or decrease low vaccines you're not getting a negative response to the vaccine in the situation I think that would be helpful uh, you know but when you're working with all the other products out there I think there's definitely a place for it it's an opportunity to look at uh, you know, because as you're going through this there's there's lots of rest of administration most of the moral obviously you know but you've got environmental factors you've got the feed factors that are going on to you've got the picking of the litter so anything you can do to help stabilize that gut or decrease the pathogen load going in I think it's going to help in a multiple factors of I don't know that directly from experience doing the research, but I think there's opportunity for that. One, one additional thing to that question is, uh, I mean, feed mills need to be clean um, regularly, but I think there's an opportunity during the feed mill to, to have a cleaner feed mill, because I think as we are sanitizing the feed, all that feed is flowing to the, through the feed mill system, and I think there's an opportunity there to really detect if the feed mill is getting cleaner just by sanitizing our feed. That's just something that needs to be still. I think that's the entire system. You know, I think that's a good point. You know, if you're looking at feed trucks, you're looking at feed lines, all of that. I mean, because we have to watch that from a research farm perspective, right? You know, so we've got some situations where if you're looking at particular drug contamination, you know, we had a situation where we were trying to do a background level of a certain uh, product in the feed. We're out in Colorado. We're obviously not feeding a lot of chickens out there, but we purchased you know, raw ingredients from some larger mills out there. And there was a little bit of background of a certain uh, product in there. It's product that really, it wasn't a high enough level that was going to cause anything from a biological standpoint. The company had kind of painted themselves in the corner of a minimal level. Uh, but just that small little, it can occur you're coming from different feed sources. And so I think it's the whole, I think to your point, not just the feed, but the whole, the whole system in general, trucking, uh, you know, the feed lines, the bins at the farm, et cetera. 
If you were to design uh, the optimal places to be sanitized in the growth of those birds to get the maximum performance, where would you recommend this group try to do that? It would be when you have your highest pathogen challenges. But that's different from, from farm to farm complex to complex. We saw the greatest benefit when we fed it throughout in this challenge situation. So I mean, this study in particular indicates that would be the, the appropriate action. A lot of the immune system is in the guts, as we all know. So by decreasing bacterial loads, may it's a, it's a question may very likely be improving the immune function in the gut. There's impacts on other pathogens that we didn't look at, but there are lots of opportunities still. So it's, it's not just reducing it, but it's standardizing the microbial load going in. The immune system in the intestine will not be busy with all, all those other bacteria that you, you're killing with your sanitizing. So it has time to concentrate in probably more important manners that responding to salmonella vaccination or to rheovirus or coxy vaccination and other things. Hopefully this has been very helpful. I think it's, it's pretty common knowledge how formaldehyde-based solutions attack pathogens. But what you're learning today, hopefully, is that how you can see the utilization of these products are gonna impact your flocks and your productivity in much broader ways. And I think that's really important. Feed ingredients continue to pose a challenge in terms of costs. You've gotta find more ways to get a return on your investment. And hopefully this can help you do that.